10, 5, he's into the end zone, touchdown Arkansas State. Deflected into the hands of Belts, Avery for three, hits, cover is safe, the Red Wolves have walked it off. Welcome to the Second to None Podcast, the A-State Podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Now, here's a couple of guys who know the Red Wolves like no one else, Matt Stoltz and Brad Boba. Extremely busy Thanksgiving week in A-State Athletics, one of the busiest weeks of the year. And it's always a busy week, Thanksgiving week. But in this particular instance, all the games seem to be at home for everybody. Three men's games last week, a couple of women's games, and we had our football season finale on Saturday. From 5 o'clock Tuesday to basically 4 o'clock Sunday. So one hour shy of six days. We had six home games. And overall, you know, it was, it was a fun week, busy week, good week. I go back to Tuesday. You had the basketball doubleheader with the men playing UT Martin and women playing Oklahoma. And that was a great way to start the week. I mean, yeah, great it was. crowd, great energy in there. Good win for the men. You know, the women competed well. I, mean, I thought it really got the week off to a good start. We'll start with football. And it was senior day Saturday. 14 players were honored on the field before the game. And, you know, there were a few more that actually played their final game as Red Wolves that didn't go through the senior day festivities. But there were some players that still had some eligibility, guys like T.W. Ayers, Marcel Murray, and A.J. Mayer that played their final games the other day. And these are guys that have been big parts of the program. But I think in all three of their instances, just the fact that, they didn't feel their bodies could do it for another year seemed to be the biggest reason yeah like you know tw Ayers is at the coach's show on wednesday he comes walking by my table you know without even really paying any attention i just he comes walking by and i know that's t-dub and i look and i think well that goofball's wearing shorts and boots which would be on brand for him and yeah instead of realizing no he's just wearing one boot because he's got a foot in the boot on wednesday night and out there playing on Saturday. You know, A.J. Merritt dealt with a lot of stuff that you may don't realize over the yep. course of the season. Hospitalizations even. And, you know, he dealt with a lot. And we all know what Marcel has, uh, his body has taken, you know, a beating over the course of his career as well. Well, again, it, it was senior day. And a lot of those guys really had good performances going out. We'll talk about that going forward. But the big challenge the other day was facing one of the better teams that we've seen all season long, a Troy team that had won eight in a row coming in. They were trying to win their 10th game Saturday and clinch a spot in the Sunbelt Championship game. And, you know, look, the Red Wolves got off to a good start in this one. Troy actually won the toss. They elected to receive, which a lot of the times you kind of see that as a slap in the face. I'm sure that's what was being said on the A-State sidelines, but the Red Wolves responded in a big way, able to get a takeaway just a couple of minutes in. Not only did an opponent elect to receive on you, but an opponent who hangs its hat on their defense still made the decision not to put that defense on the field first. Yeah, Troy was top 10 nationally in scoring defense. They were top 20 in total defense. So this is a really, really good defensive team. So you're right. That made it a little bit more odd that they wanted the football first. But Sammy Johnson gets the big play. Watson going deep left side. And Sammy Johnson picks it off. 
Sammy coming back the other way across the 35-40, running right across midfield. Sammy inside the 40, 30, cuts right inside the 20. Sammy Johnson inside the 10, he's tripped up inside the five. Sammy Johnson with his sixth career interception and it sets up first and goal. A 69-yard interception return sets up first and goal at the two, but the Red Wolves not able to get in the end zone and had to settle for a 20-yard field goal from Dominic Zavada. So it's 3 nothing. You still got the lead early on. Troy was able to take the lead a little bit later on in the first quarter. A-State had a, a good drive early in the second, able to go down and, again, got inside the 10, had to settle for a field goal. So it's 7-6. to six. And then late in the second quarter, Troy's got the football inside two minutes to go in the half, and the defense comes up big again. Gunner Watson. Dancing around, and the ball gets knocked loose. A-State falls on top of it. TWAs with the fumble recovery. A-State recovers at the 33 of Troy. A-State with their second takeaway here in the first half, and they've got a chance to take the lead now heading into the intermission. Kevon Bennett with the forced fumble. TWAs with the recovery. And then three plays later, James Blackman, the senior quarterback, able to find the end zone. Trailing 7-6, Blackman able to avoid the rush. Running right across the 20, 15, James cuts left inside the 10-5. James Blackman is into the end zone for the score. A 30-yard rushing score for James Blackman, and A-State takes the lead with 24 seconds remaining in the second quarter. And that was his longest run of his career, 30 yards on the touchdown run by James Blackman. And that's his third rushing touchdown of the season, just the fourth rushing touchdown of his career. And, hey, you're feeling pretty good at the half. It's 13-7 to at that point, and you know going in that you're going to get the football first in the third quarter. True enough. But for the people that always accuse us of being too positive, I'll take the other side of the coin here. Mm-hmm. It was cool. Like, right, it was good. Going up. It going into the locker room up is great, but you've seen that play out that way before. Like you're up 13 7, but you pretty much like you really had most of that half go your way, but you kicked two field goals, a first and goal. And those are wins for the defense, even if you get points. So if you're Troy, you're like, golly, not very much went our way in that first half, and we're a play away from the lead. I agree completely with that because if you get touchdowns on those other two possessions, the score's 21 to 7. And you take Troy out of their game. Maybe they get away from what they do best, and that's running the football on offense. Maybe they have to throw again, which is not their strength. So, yeah, it would have been interesting to see how differently that game's called in the second half if A State's up a couple of touchdowns. Yeah, because now you're 21 7 and you're getting the ball. And now all of a sudden, like, there's a ton of pressure on Troy on the first possession of the third quarter. But as it stands, like, right, you had, if you're Arkansas State, you had plenty to feel good about. But if you're Troy, you're like, we're a play away from being in the lead here. And so what happened in the fourth quarter, 
the scene got set for by kicking field goals twice when you had first and goal from basically the five-yard line or in. Yeah, Troy did go up 14-13 to 13 in the third. Red Wolves came back, took the lead again. It was good to see A.J. Mayer come in for a play. He came in at the goal line on third and goal from the one, and he was able to find another guy playing his final game, Reed Tyler, in the middle of the end zone. Third and goal from the one. Mayer fakes the handoff, throws it over the middle. This is caught. Touchdown, Reed Tyler. Reed Tyler, the senior, playing his final game, puts A-State on top with 131 remaining in the third. This comment will go over like a lead balloon. Love that play call. I loved that play call because, I mean, they're sitting there thinking the same thing. They've had a a season's full of tape to come in and say, well, you know, A.J. Mayer's about to run this football. And he kind of goes, you know, almost a Tebow, a little bit of a jump yep. pass. You know, AJ, AJ had no, a guy. No disrespect to Coach Robertson's staff. Do not be mad at me for calling that the Tebow because we've been doing that a long time around here. AJ had a guy right in his face, though, when he let that thing go. And, and Reed Tyler doing a good job making the catch. But you missed the two-point conversion try. You're up 19-14 to 14 going into the fourth quarter. Then it happened. It was all Troy after that. They scored on the opening play of the fourth, and then soon after, when the Red Wolves get it back, they're starting to move the football a little bit. A pick six makes it 27-19. to 19. There was another turnover later on in that fourth quarter when Jackson Daly came in at quarterback. So two of the five interceptions that A-State threw the entire season mm. came in the fourth quarter on Saturday. But Troy's running game, sensational they were able to kind of wear you down but we talked about it on the tv show sunday of course that's the fifth time this year that a state has blown a fourth quarter lead in eight of the 12 games this year the red wolves led in the fourth quarter of course three of those ended up being wins but five times not able to hold on you go back to last year only two games did a state lead at any point in the fourth quarter so they're getting much yeah. more competitive. But at the same time, as Coach Jones has talked about, he talks about competitive depth, and this is what he's talking about. He doesn't have that kind of depth to compete yeah. into the fourth quarter. So I'll give you the five. And it's hard, like, to me, like, it's hard to count Saturday as a blown fourth quarter lead. Not technically, you led in the fourth quarter. But the bottom line is you were in the ball game. Yep. Whether you, you know, some of those other ones, yeah, you could call flat out blown leads. I, I would struggle to put Saturday in that category, but it's a winnable game. So I'll give you those five, plus the fact that the James Madison game is a one score game in the fourth quarter. True. So it's six times. Basically, you're looking at the season only three times all year to really not have a chance to win the football game in the fourth quarter. South Alabama, never really in that game. Ohio State, okay. And and then the the game in Lafayette. Really, the only three games all year long that weren't winnable in the fourth quarter. And you couldn't say that a year ago. It's just learning how to win, learning how to finish, building depth. And being deep enough to do it. You know, this coaching staff will tell you, and I don't. I know it's not a line, they've got too many guys playing too many nope, plays. I love that. I went back and watched Coach Jones's press conference, and I thought that was the first thing he said that jumped out and said, man, he nailed that, where he said, we have too many players playing too many plays. I was like, yep. And I, I, Okay, whatever. I don't care. We're pumping sunshine. There's a rainbow in here. I don't care what. The bottom line is this. He didn't get this specific, but he could have if he wanted to. Sure, this team ended up 3-9 and nine this year. The season changed 
or started the process of changing in the fourth quarter at Memphis when Robert Holmes tears up a knee. Yeah. And it just goes from there because they had upgraded the talent level across that offensive line to where we had a really solid starting unit. And we're hoping like heck behind it, you could cultivate some of these young guys quick enough to get a little deeper. But then those young guys, they didn't get that luxury to get cultivated. They got thrown in because you had to start kind of mixing and matching, playing guys out of position or before they were ready. This is a really simple football game. The team with the best line is going to win more times than it loses. And go back and look at Arkansas State on offense against Grambling, against Ohio State, against Memphis. Pretty fun to watch. They didn't just stop calling those plays. And look, people are going to say, well, you're talking about one guy on the offensive line. We can talk about this now because the season's over. McKeelan Thomas played in every game, but he played in almost every game this season with a broken foot. Yeah. He he didn't practice most of the year. The other guy that is an amazing story is Jordan Rhodes, the Ole Miss transfer. He played almost the entire season with a cracked shoulder and Missed one game. I don't know how he did it, but he was in a tremendous amount of pain. The guy set an incredible example, though, because he went out there and he lined up 10 yards behind the play every rep and every practice and took mental reps all season long and set a great example for the guys. And Coach Jones has done a great job kind of talking about what he's meant to the team. But you're talking about losing Robert Holmes for the year on the offensive line. And then you got... McKeelan Thomas and Jordan Rhodes that are patched up the rest of the way. So you go from having a a really improved, pretty good offensive line at the beginning of the year to having one that you're just trying to patch together at the end of the season. And I would maintain the play calling didn't change that much. The ability to run the plays that got called changed a whole lot. Coming up a little bit later, we'll kind of talk about what's coming up in the next few weeks for A-State football. But coming up next, busy week on the hardwood for the A-State basketball teams. We'll talk about that right after this on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. When we play today, we win something bigger than ribbons or trophies. We win our tomorrows. Wherever we play, wherever we fight, wherever we overcome odds, we're winning our way. Simmons Bank is committed to supporting women athletes in the communities we serve and are proud to be an official sponsor of A-State Women's Athletics. Not just for a season, but for a winning future. Seasons are short, but fierce is forever. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. Back on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. It was a busy week for A-State basketball. We'll start with the men. They actually played three games in a stretch of six days. Going back to this past Tuesday, took on a a good Tennessee Martin team. They had the preseason Ohio Valley Conference Player of the Year, K.J. Simon. They also had a transfer come in, Parker Stewart, who started every game at Indiana a season ago. They had some other transfers, Desmond Williams, who started at Troy last year. He was in there. So it was a scary matchup. Tennessee Martin, I think a lot of people would say they're the favorites in the Ohio Valley this season with all the transfers they brought in and look they're leading the Red Wolves by eight with seven and a half minutes to go and to the Red Wolves credit they found a way they hit some big shots down the stretch came back and won that game 70 to 64. Ended the game what on an 8-0 run I think something to that effect and again we go back to touched on it in the open there was a really nice little crowd there 
to me, that's not measured in numbers. That's measured in impact. Like, right, the crowd gets an assist in that win against UT Martin because there was a really good atmosphere coming down the stretch, and they didn't need prodding. They didn't need to get told, all right, come on, it's time. They just knew it. They got in it when they needed to be in it. They stayed in it, and kind of, I guarantee you, helped that team get over the hump and get that win. I don't always bring up the crowd on the postgame show, but I thought to do it that night after the game on Tuesday with Coach Pilato, and he said, yeah, they made a big difference down the stretch. And it does, the place doesn't have to be full. No. It, it doesn't require that. But you give me a crowd of 3,000 people with that mindset right there, with that mindset to come in and when the game is on the line, impact it. And I guarantee his team wouldn't lose many home games the rest of the year. At 3,000, not seven, eight, 3,000 with that mindset. And I'll take my chances most nights. Absolutely. Caleb Fields had a good performance in that one. 17 points, seven assists, helping the Red Wolves to the win. Then on Friday night, A-State back in action again. And I think we talked Friday morning. Yep. And I said, man, this is a scary game. Because yep. Prairie View A&M is a team that – you start looking at it, start sitting down and, and prepping for the game, and you see they got 10 grad transfers, total of 11 seniors. You know, they had a kid from SMU transfer that's averaging 20 points a game. You see a name like Trajan Wesley, who started at Louisiana Lafayette for several years. He's starting at the point for him. Up and down the roster, you see all this talent, and you saw that 10 days before, they had – beat a Pac-12 team by double digits. They beat Washington State by 11. And Washington State may not be the best team in the Pac-12, but still, it's a very noticeable victory for them. Well, a lot of people scout report went as far as to scroll down and say, oh, Prairie View, and just on to the next thing. Thing like, Prairie View's got no business trying to win that game. Well, it didn't take a whole lot of scouting on Prairie View to say, this is a worrisome basketball team right here. If you still didn't pay that much attention, you were there, you should have just heard the starting lineups because I'm up there. You know, we're a little shorthanded you know, from an intern standpoint. Students aren't on mm-hmm. campus. So I'm up there you know, actually working the spotlight during starting lineups in this game. And I'm hearing the PA guy go, now the starting lines for Prairie View A&M. A graduate, blah, 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 this guy. A graduate, da, 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 da this guy. A guard, a graduate, blah, 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 this guy. I'm like, holy cow. Yeah. I mean, four grad transfers in the starting lineup and 10 grad transfers on the roster. That's pretty much unheard of. Still, this was a game that if the Red Wolves play well, they win. But Coach Bellato talked about it after the game. His team wasn't tough enough at all and got outboarded 45 to 24 that's just something that Mm. i can't remember happening here in a very long time prairie view was 17 offensive rebounds in that game i mean just things that will make a coach pull his hair out still with all that being said you get out rebounded by 20 and you got a chance to win the game but those shots those good looks they had down the stretch they weren't hitting. They went two for 15 from three in the second half, and Prairie View ends up winning the game 67 to 59. Be really interested at the end of the year to look back at Tennessee Martin and Prairie View and see if one or both of them's not in the NCAA tournament. They both sure can get there. If there's a better team in the SWAC than Prairie View this year, then. I'd be interested to see who You it hope is. it's not Mississippi Valley State. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're coming in here on Thursday night. 
It certainly was one that Coach Bellato used to teach off of. In fact, they practiced for three hours Saturday and then an hour and 45 minutes Sunday morning before a 2 o'clock tip against Bethel. So maybe that was the wake-up call yeah. that they needed. We're trying to even the field because Bethel played Saturday. <laughs> they did. That's right. But A-State was actually on the court more than Bethel was <laughs> when they played Saturday. You'd think, hey, uh, maybe the legs aren't there after the game Friday and all that practicing. Well, they shot 59% on Sunday afternoon, which I guess looking back is even more impressive than the numbers will tell you. But beat Bethel 90-65. to We did see some good things on Sunday afternoon. Malcolm Farrington's really shooting the ball well which you expect him to do but he hit five threes in the game on Sunday and finished with a career high 18 points this team's gonna need that because you've got guards they can get to the basket this team can be good on offense especially if you can find that day and I don't know that we've had it yet where Malcolm Farrington and Avery Feltz are out there together and kind of both hitting like that then all of a sudden this team gets real hard to guard real fast the men now four and three Meanwhile, the women had a couple of games last week, and they started off last Tuesday night taking on Oklahoma. Neat to have the Sooners in Jonesboro. Who were still ranked at at 22 in the uh, coaches' poll coming in. They had taken a beatdown, just an inexplicable beatdown the week before, not to lose, but to lose in the fashion they did. They fell out of the AP poll. They were 16 in both. They had fallen out of the AP poll by a spot, but were still 22 in the coaches. The Red Wolves were down just seven at the half in this game. They were down 10 at the end of three quarters, so they were right there in it. But Oklahoma pulled away in the fourth, ended up winning it 95-70. to I mean, honestly, for three quarters, I would think Arkansas State did a pretty good job of dictating the pace to a team that lives – off dictating the pace Oklahoma here I mean you're talking about a ranked team I mean obviously one of the top 25 teams in the country who is about five spots from dead last in scoring defense they don't care how many points you score because they just know they're going to score more than you <laughs> and and A-State kind of kept that from happening right I mean it was played at times where you knew the Red Wolves most against most anybody else wanted to run you saw kind of coach Des pulling back on the reins and, and dictating the pace and it worked until the fourth quarter and arkansas state played seven kids in that game because they've still got a couple that they don't have back yet oklahoma played 11 and i don't mean they played 11 because it got the garbage time by the time it got there they were already playing 11 well when the team that's wanting to play fast is playing 11 of kids and the team that's not wanting to play as fast playing seven all of a sudden those 11 won out and the fourth quarter was completely played oklahoma's way and it turned the score into something that really wasn't indicative of the basketball game They did bounce back and get a nice win on Saturday. Took on Kansas City Saturday morning. That was an early tip time before the football game. Tipped off at 11 a.m. And this game was tied at the end of regulation. But what an overtime period. The Red Wolves shut out Kansas City in overtime. 11 to nothing. They win it. 79 to 68 and what a performance by our buddy Izzy Higginbottom who was in here a couple of weeks ago on this podcast 26 points for Izzy so I really think you go past even the overtime and go back into the fourth quarter the fourth quarter and overtime ended on something like a 22 to 4 spurt for Arkansas State because they were down seven in the fourth quarter then sort of gifted 
Kansas City overtime because this game is tied and A-State missed two free throws with 1.8 seconds left to even mm. get it to overtime. And then said, okay, Kansas City, we gifted you overtime, but that's literally all you're getting. And outscored them 11 nothing in uh, those five minutes. I saw something neat before the game with, with Izzy and Coach Ari Weidman, the newest member of the A-State staff. Yeah. Just those two were down on a half of the floor working with each other just coach Weidman and Izzy Higginbottom just kind of just going through a little shoot around and it was interesting because coach kind of pointed out this little minor thing she was seeing with something Izzy was doing with her shooting hand in her shot just some little minor thing that obviously we would never would notice why all right you need to work on you know this right here and you concentrate on that here focus on that and all of a sudden Izzy hit her next two or three shots because I'm standing on the floor and I kind of said boy look how coachable she is (laughs) And then she goes out and goes for 26. How about that? Way to go, coach. <laughs> she gets the assist on that. The women now 3-3. Three and three. They'll be back in action Tuesday night as they travel to McNeese. We'll talk about that and what else is happening in the world of A-State athletics when we come back to wrap things up here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank right after this. Your first home is like this dream. The day you walk in, the sun seems to shine more brightly. The ceilings, they just seem taller. And you'll never fix that creaky floorboard because it sounds like comfort. What a hug would sound like if it made a sound. And that's when you realize you're home. Really, really home. Realize your dream with a home loan from Simmons Bank. Dreams realized. SimmonsBank.com. Member FDIC, equal housing lender, subject to credit approval. Taking a look at the week ahead, it's a much lighter week this week as far as what's happening in the world of A-State athletics. The men's, men's team is home on Thursday. They'll take on Mississippi Valley State. Tip time for that one at 7 o'clock. But that's it for the men. And then the women's game, the women's team, with just one game this week, they're playing at McNeese State. They'll play that game Tuesday at 7. So Depending on when you're listening to this. Yes. Maybe so, tonight. Maybe tonight. Yeah, lighter week because you're, what you're getting into at the tail end of this is you got finals looming. So you go through a stretch where games get a little bit more spread out here as the student-athletes take their finals. And then Arkansas State from a women's side – they got one home game in December. That's coming up on the 15th. That's the only time they're at home the entire month. Well, make your plans now to be there. That's right. Meanwhile, football with a big next few weeks as far as the future of that program. Butch Jones has already talked about it, and he said it in his post-game interview the other night. He said the strength and conditioning program begins now for the guys that are coming back. At the same time, it's – a total evaluation of the program and everybody that's a part of the program right now. They're going through that this week. Then, of course, you're recruiting as well. You've got the early signing day coming up December 21st. So you're trying to sign those guys. And then you're looking at the portal as well. The FCS portal is bigger than ever. And that's already open so you've got that that you're looking at and then the fbs transfer portal opens up december 5th so there's a whole bunch of stuff coming up here in the next few weeks that our fans are going to be paying a whole bunch of attention to me personally Uh i'm paying more attention not as much to who arkansas state adds to the roster as i am 
who Arkansas State can keep on the roster. Because I think this is a pivotal moment coming up, honestly, for the way Butch Jones is constructing his program. And I've told a lot of people this. Butch Jones has not made one move yet. Like a guy who's trying to put one good team on the field and parlay that into a job coaching somewhere else. Every decision he's made in constructing this roster has been playing the long game, building it from the ground up. Not a lot of people would do it the way he's doing it, and it's the way he's doing it. What remains to be seen is in the day and age of the transfer portal, will the system still allow you to do it that way? And that's what we're about to find out. It's not the class he's about to sign that's going to dictate that as much as the class he just signed. And can you keep that bunch together? And if he does and it gives him the confidence that he can keep doing it the way he's wanting to do it and stack those young classes on top of each other, then Arkansas State's future is going to get very bright and it's going to be built on a solid foundation. If not, then it's going to give him the information he needs to know that he has to have a philosophical shift of his own in the way he constructs a roster. And there is a evaluation process that's taking place here now. If they're helping the team, if they're a positive part of this program, then they're going to keep going forward. But at the same time, those scholarships are very precious. There's different ways to look at it now, in a sense. And I know a lot of people may not want to word it this way, but they are one-year renewable scholarships, one-year renewable contracts. If they choose to be renewed then great. If not, that's kind of where college football is right now. Anything you need to talk about before we get out of here? No, I feel like probably got it out in bits and pieces along the way here. Thank you. everybody. You've been pretty tame lately. Yeah, I need to kind of go back to my list or start adding to it to see what things are sitting out there. <laughs> I guess it's a good thing you're not getting riled up about as much. But, hey, I appreciate everybody that really over the last week if you made it out to any of the games thanks especially you know the last half of the season for folks who stuck it out in that football season that and i'm not talking about the record but just not a lot went our way the last three home games of the year we talk about a monsoon an unseasonably cold day and then another dreary wet day on senior day that's thanksgiving weekend lot not kind of going your way so appreciate everybody that uh, that stuck it out with us through the home portion of the football schedule we've seen some bad weather games over the years and usually there's going to be about one to two per season but the elements were the story in each of the last four games of the season and it just became the norm and unfortunately out of those final four weeks of the season, three of those <laughs> were at home. So you're talking about half of your home schedule you're having to play in that crap. Yeah. Which they did. Yeah. It, obviously, it affects the crowd. And nobody's going to lie to you. So too does the record. It impacts the crowd the second half of the season. Then the weather on top of that. People were given a lot of reasons not to come. And so really appreciate the ones who looked at those reasons and decide to come and cheer on their football team anyway next week we'll run down everything that happened this week in a-state athletics and as we go ahead we're going to talk with some key figures in a-state athletics we hope to have butch jones in here very soon to kind of break down the football season and what's ahead for the program coming up here in the next few weeks as well but for right now for brad i'm matt have a great week everybody you've been listening to the second to none podcast presented by simmons bank